Hey, it is great to see you here today, and I hope that you are enjoying 2017 already. You're a week in, you're a week older, hopefully you're a week wiser, and uh, you're a week colder. Man, it is just a little bit cold, but I, I noticed some of you, you're sitting a little closer to your sweetheart today. I noticed it. You can tell. And um, if you're not, I'm giving you permission to. Or if there's just somebody you'd like to sit closer to, just go ahead and uh, use this as an excuse today to do that. Maybe you heard about the soldier who was walking across his army base, and every time he saw a sheet of paper on the ground, he would pick it up and he would say, that's not it. And he would walk a little bit further, and whatever drill he was going to be in, anytime he would walk over to a wastebasket, he would pick up a sheet of paper and he would say, that's not it. And it just kept going on and on, and he kept being reprimanded, and finally he was sent to the base psychiatrist for evaluation. And after an extensive period of evaluation, it was determined that he was mentally unfit. He was unstable to be in the army. And so finally, he was given his discharge papers. And when he was handed over his discharge papers, he looked down and he said, that's it. And everything was good. Now, um, maybe you've experienced moments like that. Where, where you have found something that you have been looking for. Maybe it was your car keys this morning. How many of you guys got the Tile app? You got that tile thing. For, anybody get that for Christmas? You know what I'm talking about? Good. My wife is raising her hand because I was a good husband. At least I thought. I thought it was great to give your wife something that's, um, you know, something that is, it, 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 it can be beneficial and it's got so many different um, uses. And, and so I thought it'd be great to get her this, this nice little tile thing that she could put on her keys and so she would not lose them. I did not really think about how that, really what that saying is that as a husband, I don't think my wife can keep up with her stuff. That, that is, that's what it, how it came across on Sunday, on, you know, on that Sunday morning of Christmas. But maybe when you find something that you're looking for and you go, oh, finally, I, I found my keys or I found that dress that I've always wanted. I found that putter that I've been looking for. And you're all excited because now you seem to have fulfillment. Well, that's the emotion that Jesus tries to tap into. He tries to tap into it and say, that is how you should feel on your first contact, the first experience that you have with the very reign of God. And he uses a very powerful, just short short parable that's found in Matthew chapter 13. It's going to be kind of our, our key verse for, uh, for today. And I wanted to go ahead and share it with you so you could be thinking about it. If you would, um, I, I want you to read along. And then when you see the words that are in blue, I want you to say that real loud, all right? The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again and... Uh, we can do better than that. I said real loud, all right? I know you're cold. Okay, we got to get things warmed up. One more time. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again and yes, went and sold all that he had and he bought that field. Now, when it says kingdom of heaven here, you need to understand that's talking about the reign of God, not in the future, but right now in your life. The idea that, that God's God's authority, that God's power over you, that, that God's instruction, that His authority is present right here and right now, and that there's this relationship that you can experience to be reigned over and ruled over by God. Here's the neat thing. Jesus does not see conflict between joy and sacrifice. I want you to think about that for a minute. Jesus does not see conflict between joy and sacrifice. Now, we think if we are to lose everything that we were to have, that we would be sad. 
that there's no way that we could give away, there's no way that we could part with the things that are the most important to us and still there be any kind of joy in our life. But Jesus says, that's not how it is with the kingdom. When you come in contact with the reign of God, there is so much joy that you experience in your life that you're willing to sacrifice anything in order to be able to share in what it is that God has planned for you. The reason that we don't live the dream of the kingdom as I think we need to, well, Jesus spoke about this earlier in Matthew chapter 6, where he said, listen, you guys, you're worried about things that can be stolen. He says, you're worried about things that can rust, and you're worried about things that moths can eat. And because you and I know we can't control tomorrow, what happens? We're always in a continual state of worry because we're afraid that something of ours might be stolen. We're afraid that something of ours might rust. We're afraid that something of ours might be moth-eaten. And because we can't control tomorrow, we are always worried and wondering, what's going to happen next? And Jesus says, listen, listen, you cannot place more importance on the earthly than you do the eternal. And so Jesus says, you make the kingdom of God the priority in your life. Do you want to live the dream? Do you want to truly experience life and experience it more abundantly? So that no matter what happens in life, it is always well with your soul. Jesus says, if that's what you want, then seek first the kingdom of God. And when you discover it, you'll be filled with such joy that you'll be willing to get rid of everything else in order to hold to it. Let's sing about this idea together. Derek? Let's go back to our verse in Matthew uh, chapter 13. Remember what you're supposed to do when you see blue, right? The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again and went and sold all he had and he bought that field. Hey, some quick things that I think Jesus is trying to to get across to us this morning. Uh, First one is this. We need to figure out the true worth of our life's quest. What if, what if you get to the end of your life only to find out that the things that you had pursued, the things that you had spent your life for, were just trinkets? That it really didn't matter. The things that you thought, this is what's important, this is how I must live my life, this is what I have to be and what I have to be about. You put all of your hope in it, but it just doesn't deliver. You might know that there are some 20 million people living in New York City. But did you know that there are also some 20 million pets that live in Manhattan as well? Now, what do you do if your pet dies in New York? I mean, think about that for a minute. You can't just go into Central Park and dig a hole. You you can't go to your backyard because you don't have one. But the city of New York has a remedy for you. If your pet dies while you're in New York, you can pay $50 and someone will come and they will remove the pet from your premises and and they will dispose of the pet properly. Now, an enterprising young woman came up with the idea to make a little extra cash. And so she put an ad in the newspaper that said for $25, she would come and take the pet off of your hands. And what she would do, she would go to a local thrift store, she would buy an old suitcase And then she would go and put the pet in the suitcase and go down to the subway. And there she would set the suitcase down and she would turn around for a little bit and go sit on a bench. And in about, oh, 30 to 45 minutes, that suitcase would be gone. 
Some of you are going to get that at lunch, and yeah. Can you imagine the big surprise for whoever thought that there was treasure in the bag? You see, most people, I don't think, spend, I don't think most people spend their life trying to be evil. We spend our life on trivial pursuits. Satan's aim is not to make you irreligious. Satan's aim is to make you irrelevant. Having zero impact in the world that's around you. No influence with your neighbors. No change in the workplace. No difference in the locker room. Zero impact. But what happens when you get to the end of your life and you find that what you've always pursued and what you always thought was important was merely rust? Jesus is asking us in this passage, I think, he's asking us to see value in something that's hidden from the eyes of most people. And it's called the kingdom of God. The idea that right now, not when you die, but, but right now, you can live in the embrace of what God is doing in this world. Living daily in the flow of his spirit and being ruled by him. And Jesus says it's available right here and right now. But what Satan wants to do is to get you to devalue the kingdom of God. And how precious it is in your life. Because when you rightly appraise the kingdom of God. And when you make it non-negotiable. Then Satan loses the leverage that he has against you. Because nothing that he can say or do and nothing that can happen or No changes that can come in your life can take away the reality that you're living under the rule of God. And so cancer can come. And cancer is a terrible thing. But it cannot divorce you from the kingdom of God. And I can lose my job. And I wouldn't wish that on anybody. But unemployment doesn't change the fact that I'm a part of the kingdom of God. And we might say goodbye to to family members here in 2017, but guess what? We remain in the kingdom of God. And your retirement might not be what it was five, ten years ago, but you're still in the kingdom of God. And I'm not going to lose sleep over these things. And I will not let these things steal my joy because I woke up today still in the kingdom of God. And that's an awesome thing. It's something that should fill us with joy. Is something that should fill us overflowing with joy in our life because we realize there is something that's valuable and there is a worthwhile quest. So when you rightly assess the value of the kingdom of God, you will willingly treasure God's kingdom more than your own treasures. And that's, I think that's important because I think that's the second thing that Jesus is trying to get across is that if you want joy, you have to be willing to offer your heart through your treasure. Jesus talked more about the kingdom than anything else. It was God's dream. God's dream that his people be one with him. Do you know what he talked about? Number two. You do, don't you? Money. Yeah. First and foremost, Jesus talked about the kingdom of God and God's rule in your life and what it means to be a part of that kingdom. And secondly, when he spent the most time on, it was money. And he had to do that. Let me explain why. A woman from East Lansing, Michigan, planned a trip to Florida and she was tired of all the cold and she wanted to go and, she wanted to go and work on her tan. So she arrived and she checked into a nice hotel and the next day she goes up to the very roof of the hotel and she's going to sunbathe and she decides that she wants a tan all over. She disrobes completely and lays out right there on the top of the roof. 
manager of the hotel comes up not too long after and says, excuse me, ma'am, you're going to have to stop what you were doing. She says, I don't understand why I'm not bothering anybody. Nobody can see what it is that I'm doing. And he said, I'm afraid that you don't understand. You don't realize that you were lying across the skylight of the dining room. (laughs) And needless to say, she revealed more than she intended. And here's my point. We reveal more than we realize by what we do with our money. Jesus taught that nothing reveals the depth of the rule of God in your life like the place or the places where you put your money. Here's what he said in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now look closely to the verse that's there on the screen. I want you to look at it because we think that that verse is saying that wherever our hearts go, our money goes. But look at it closely. What Jesus is actually teaching us is that wherever our treasure goes, that is the place where our heart will go. Now, I want to illustrate this for you. Um, Ross Workman, I hope you're here. Is Ross here? Ross, come here, buddy. Come here. Um, now, Ross and I have not, um, have not planned this at all. We, have, we haven't talked beforehand, right? No, you had no idea you were going to be coming up here. Otherwise, you would have dressed differently, right? I understand. Come on. No. Hey, you're looking good, man. How are you? Good. Are you doing well? Ross is a senior. Okay, Ross is uh, entering his last semester at Boyd Buchanan. Uh, you're going to be uh, doing what when you graduate? Uh, going to UT. Going to UT. Going to UT. You like that? Mm-hmm. That's the University of Tennessee, for those of you that don't know. Uh, University of Tennessee, that's your plan. I know some people thought you're going to Texas, but you're not going to, he's not going to Texas. He's going to the University of Tennessee. Now, before you go off and head off and, and do all those great things, I need you to do something for me, okay? I need you to hold my wallet. All right. Now, I want you to hold my wallet up real high because I want to see it. All right. Meet my new best friend, Ross Workman. Now, do you know why Ross is my new best friend? Because he's got my money. Yeah. Yeah. See, Jesus is teaching us that it's not that our heart will be where our treasure is at. He's saying that wherever our treasure goes, our heart is going to be following, and it's going to dictate where that heart is, okay? Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go back, and I want you to sit down. You were sitting by your dad, right? I know your dad. I've known him a long time, right? We're, we're, we go way back, all right? I can find you if I need to, right? I know your grandmother. I know all your grandparents, okay? All right, I want you to go back. Now, you, you keep that up. You don't, yeah, there you go. You just keep that up. You go back over there, and you sit down. And you just keep on holding that up. Um, now, you keep holding that. Good. Now, I want you to look here at the message translation. It says, the place where your treasure is, is the place that you will most want to be. Guess where I really would love to be right now? Yeah, I want to sit right over there by Chad Workman. Right over there by Mason. You know why I want to sit there? Because that's where Ross is sitting. And I want to be up, snuggled up close to him on this cold day. And I want to make sure that I keep my eyes on him. You're doing a great job. You just keep holding that up. And if he needs any help, Mason, you just hold up that elbow. All right? You be like, you be like Moses' friends, all right? You hold it up for him. Now, now, Jesus isn't saying that I can purchase the kingdom in any way. That's not the point that he's getting at. But he is saying that the offer of the kingdom is so valuable that I'll be willing to sacrifice anything 
anything at all, even my money, when it comes to furthering the kingdom and when it comes to being a part of it. And when I begin to understand this, when I get this, then God actually, he gets me. He gets me. It's like the rich young ruler who came to Jesus asking how he could have this kind of relationship. And Jesus said, the answer is simple. You just send God your treasure and he'll get your heart. You know what the text says? That the man went away sad. Most of us don't reject Christ because we want to be evil. We reject Christ because we want to pursue the trivial. And a life spent clutching what is worthless is going to be joyless. And so let me add one more point for you to think about. Here's another principle I think Jesus is talking about. Give up the good for the best. Give up the good for the best. The man in the parable that we looked at in Matthew, it wasn't that what he owned was worthless. It had worth. But he could see the treasure that was hidden in the field and he realized this is worth more. You had to switch hands, didn't you? What? You're a strong, I mean, you played football, right? You've already had to switch over. All right, hold it up. Keep it up. Keep it up. Whatever it takes, as long as you don't put it down. I don't care. I don't care. You see, Satan's greatest concern is that we will rightly appraise the value of the kingdom of God and that he will lose all leverage. It's going to require a mustard seed kind of vision for us to be able to put away the pseudo kingdoms of the world. And that's why Jesus talked about money so much. Because money controls us. And money dictates the things that we do. Money actually says in some ways who we are. At least that's how we look at it. And for us to be able to participate in the kingdom with the joy that Jesus says is available, then we have to be willing to surrender our allegiances to all the other kingdoms. It's a mustard seed kind of vision. You see, I like to see the things that my money goes to. I like to know where my money is at. And I can see things like a Vizio 50-inch LCD Ultra HD TV. I can see another car. I can see tickets to a ball game. I can see vacation packages. But it takes faith to see the kingdom of God. And the question is, will I give my treasure to something that my eyes cannot see? I mean, if I tell Ross to put his hand down, if I tell him to put his hand, don't do that. But if I told him to, would my money be safe? Now, I told you, I know Ross. I've known Ross for a long time. In fact, usually whenever I see Ross, I call it, what do I call you, Ross? Rossville, that's right. Because that's where we met. We met at Rossville. And so he's always Rossville to me. And I know his grandparents. And, and I have shared meals with him. And, and we have talked about things there just between the two of us. And you know what? Because I know Ross and because I know good lawyers, you can put your hand down. Go ahead. I, I trust him with my money. I do. And I have to make the same decision every day about the kingdom of God. You see, I can see TV sets and I can see new dresses and I can see golf clubs and I can see tuitions. But can I see the family in Ottawa that hasn't found a church home yet? Can I see the third grader at Barger Academy who wouldn't have had a decent meal this weekend if this church had not provided a snack pack? Can I see the 10-year-old boy in the Dominican Republic 
who's going to grow up and be an amazing witness for Jesus Christ because he met Jeff and Jordan? Can I see the couple who are living together and sleeping off a hangover this morning, but in 10 years are going to be married and leading a small group Bible study for our church because of our transformation ministry? You see, the kingdom is like a mustard seed. It's a little thing, and most people don't pay attention to it. Most people don't see it. They don't realize the impact of it. And I'm not just talking about people who are outside these walls. I'm talking about people who have been baptized into Christ. I'm talking about people who cut their teeth on church pews. I'm talking about people who are always in Bible class. People who are always in Bible study at their homes and different things. But still have never seen truly the force of the kingdom of God. It's going to grow and it's going to get big and someday God is going to reveal to creation just how big the kingdom really is. The question is, can we see it today and invest in it? You see, one day everybody's going to see it. But right now, here is how you know who gets it. It's because of something that you've got. Joy. Joy. And that's why I was so glad that um, just a few minutes ago, Derek led us in the joy of the Lord. And it's one of those songs where, I mean, you sing it, and, and if you think about the words of that, you, you can't just kind of sit there and go, the joy of the Lord will be my strength. You can't do that. Not if you have found what's buried. Not if you've experienced the treasure. Not if you've sold out. Not if you have given yourself over. Not if you have surrendered. Instead, any opportunity that comes to sing about the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord will be my strength. I will not falter. Man, you just want to shout it. You don't care what it sounds like. You don't care if you're on key. You don't care if anybody else around you thinks you're crazy. Because you are in the kingdom of God. And there should be joy. And there should be excitement. And others should see that because you're living the dream. You're living the dream. You see, there's this psalm that's tucked away in your Old Testament. Psalm 126. And it was a psalm that was written to talk about the emotions and the feelings of that people of God from generations gone by. Those Hebrews, the Israelites, specifically the descendants of those who had been taken into captivity. And finally, the time had come that they had been able to return to Jerusalem. They returned to a land that they had heard their grandparents talk about. They had heard about this place from the rabbis. They had heard stories about the place where God dwelt. They hadn't seen it. They hadn't experienced it. But the time came where they were released. They go to Jerusalem. And in the text, when you see Zion there in the Hebrew, that's the way of being able to talk about the place of God. And it's talking about Jerusalem. It says, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion. Can you picture the people of God coming back to the city? It says, we were like those who dreamed. You understand what it's saying, right? 
We were like those who dreamed. We were like those who had to, somebody pinch me because I'm not sure I can believe what it is I'm seeing. I'm not sure this is actually real. Could this be true? Could this be actually what is happening? Since we were like those who dreamed dreams and our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. And then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. I love that. The people of God return to the city of God and the nations who are around recognize that the only way this happens is because of the Lord. And look at what it says. The Lord has done great things for them. And then the response is, yeah, the Lord has done great things for us. And we are filled with joy. Why? Because I found it. I found what I've been dreaming for. I found what I've been laying awake at night hoping could be mine. I found what grandma and grandpa talked about. I I found what I only imagined could possibly be. For them, it was a return to Jerusalem. For us today, it is kingdom of God living. Relationship with God. Salvation through Jesus Christ. A new perspective, a new identity, a new way of being and being known and knowing others. And so the man goes and he's searching in a field and he finds a great treasure. And hurriedly he covers it back up and he runs and he sells everything that he has so that he can go back and with joy buy that field. Church, the Lord has done great things for us. Are we filled with joy? Are we allowing the pseudo kingdoms of this world to steal the joy that comes from being in the kingdom of God? Have you allowed the things that worry you because of your finances to steal your joy? Are you worried about how you're going to pay for the Christmas because credit cards are going to be coming? Those bills are going to be coming soon. You're worried about that. And you're, you're concerned about your job status. And you're worried about college tuition. And you're worried about perhaps elementary dues and all these other things. There are all these money stuff that you're worried about because that kingdom is what takes priority. Or maybe for you, it's just all about the, your appearance. And you've been trying to keep up with the Joneses. And you've been trying to keep up with the Smiths. And you've been trying to keep up with the Barnetts, whoever it might be. You've been running and running and running and running and running. And it's that kingdom that's stealing your joy. And go ahead, fill in your own blank. What kingdom is it that has reigned supreme in your life? I want to encourage you to live the dream. Because all the other things can be stolen. All the other things can rust. All the other things can be eaten by moths. And Jesus says, don't spend your life on the trivial Don't spend your life worried about the earthly. Instead, you fix your sights on the things that are eternal. And with joy, live the dream that is the kingdom of God. We're going to sing and encourage one another. And I pray that you will sing with joy. I pray that you will sing with gladness. I pray that you will shout to the Lord with all of your heart as we sing praises to him. And maybe as we are singing, you need to come and say, you know what? I am not fully given over to the kingdom of God. You need to come and say, you know what, I'm a Christian. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, but the kingdom of God does not have my first allegiance.
And you can tell because of where I put my treasure. I don't give treasure toward the kingdom. That's not what I focus on. I have treasure all over the place, but it's not with the kingdom of God. And maybe you need to come and you need to say, you know what? I want that joy. I need that joy. I've been in all the other kingdoms and it hasn't worked. I'm going to try the kingdom of God out. And we'll rejoice with you as you're baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins because of your belief that Jesus is truly the dream maker. Whatever your need might be, we encourage you to come as together we stand and sing.